So we're just talking about going to a local college campus and setting up this here portable podcasting studio and talking to college students and whether or not I'm kind of, now you've got me really curious about that. Would we would we be surprised at the things that were of concern, of concern to them? But then people here are a little bit different, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Well, that's the thing. If you wanted a good sample size, you'd have to go to a couple of universities in a couple of different states on each coast, you know, just to get a better sampling of the demographics. Because where we are here in Auburn. <clears throat> I'm sure that you're gonna you're gonna get some of the typical stuff that you hear on the news that uh, they're they're really concerned about diversity and inclusion and and things like that. But you're also gonna get some people that are much more aligned, probably, you know, to traditional values. Like I'm just concerned about where my next job is gonna be and you know how much am I gonna make and is this major gonna pay off? Right. You know, but if you go to you know, say northeast or the the west coast or something, then you might get a lot more of the the former. You know, diversity and equity and things like that. I really have to wonder where that comes from. In a way, I remember when I was just going to junior college, I took a sociology class and a psychology class. In the sociology class. It was kind of interesting, but I mean, I was into the, like, Rage Against the Machine and the whole anti-disestablishmentarianism thing and screw the government and all that. I I don't know if times were so different. Like, I don't remember anybody dressing androgynously and pronoun stuff. Uh, I just don't get where you have the extra brain power where that becomes, or the the extra time in your life where that becomes something that's important to you. Well, it's it's what is being stressed to you. You know, if <clears throat> your boss or your staff or whatever, you know, they're saying, hey, we think it would be great if your signature includes um, he, him, his, or she, her, they, you yeah. know, whatever, whatever it is. And, and, you know, I see those more and more now. We work with a lot of universities, you know, do these these campaigns to help them feasibility studies capital campaigns and you know we'll get some signatures that will come back um, and it not not necessarily in the southeast but from other areas um, where their signatures do include under their name what their preferred pronouns are you know like you, you know that's a double-edged sword you know while I find it so weird at least I know you know so they're not gonna they're not gonna you know jump down my feet with both or down my throat with both feet when I call her a him or him right, or her or right. something. They're like, did you see my signature? Oh yeah, I did. That's why I called you, ma'am. <laughs> do Do you remember, dude, back in the day when uh, you ran into a person that it was very hard to tell which gender they were? That it was always Pat. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Well, you get. I feel like you have much more of that these days. It's just, everything's just so permissive all over the place. You know, my, so my boss and I took a trip up to Ithaca, New York, and we were checking into the hotel. And uh, I said, hey, boss man, did you notice that was a dude at the checkout counter? He said, no way, that was not. Full on, that was a dude. 
Okay. You know, he was wearing a dress and had lipstick on and his hair did and nails and you know, Adam's apple and a raspy voice. <laughs> but then would he be offended if he said, ma'am? Man, I don't know. I didn't, or sir, I mean, like, I didn't what talk do you to do? him. I didn't talk to him, her. <laughs> my, my boss did. All the rooms were booked on the company card, but it was just, I noticed it. Yeah. You can't help. You can't help you can't but notice it. Yeah. And you know, let, let's let's talk about this though too. You know, they they accuse people of in the South, or maybe they don't accuse, but they there's a stereotype that people in the South are so conservative, so Christian or religious, um, right leaning and closed minded and hateful. You know, but I don't, I don't think that that's true at all i mean while we're not as you don't find as much of that weirdness down here it's not like there's people being beat up on every corner because they're you know this dude's wearing a dress or sure. you know we're we can go along to get along nobody's out here to start a fight or to, to kill or hurt anybody or or anything like that we just kind of shake our head and live and let live you know as long right. as they're not affecting my life i, I don't it's their problem not mine right Speaking of which, I saw a dude on a Tillman's Corner yesterday. Tumor? Tumor's Corner. Yeah, where did Tillman's Corner come from? Tumor's Corner. And uh, <laughs> I noticed because it had it like a pink dress on. And this big furry chest sticking out the top of the dress. It was like a low-cut dress. Yeah. And he had a sign up, but I was driving and I couldn't stop to see what it said. But <laughs> I have no idea, man. Have you noticed recently really since COVID that there tends to be people out there on that corner with signs and slogans and stuff like that. I didn't, I don't remember seeing it before COVID. Um, <clears throat> so I, yeah, the first one that I remember was when, um, so they had this alt-right guy that was supposed to be speaking here at the university. Yes. yes I remember that. And they had a lot of people that came out to protest that. And the university tried to shut it down. But since it's a public university, the state said that they had to had to give them, you know, a forum to speak. And so, you know, if you don't like it, don't go. I mean, sometimes you go and you listen to it and you're just like, okay, that's what I thought it was. The guy's an idiot, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be any big deal. But, yeah, so they had all those people there to protest. And I do have to say one nice thing about the police in the South, or at least here in Alabama and Auburn, man, they don't take anything from anybody. So they had some Antifa types that had showed up that were going to protest. And in Alabama, you can't wear face coverings in, in a protest or in a crowd. Yeah. So the first people that, well, I think that's what it was, but they, they had some people that showed up and uh, they immediately arrested like the first three of them and all the rest of them left. I do vaguely remember that, man. What was that guy's name? I don't know. He was on some talk circuit. And, and he wasn't all right. This dude was darn near like a, a Nazi extremist, wasn't he? I, mean, I don't even know what alt right means. Not anymore. I, you're probably all right. No, you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and why is that such a bad thing? I don't know. I just, you know, I'll just disclaimer out there. I just consider myself a conservative. You know, I just think that the old ways are 
the best ways. You know, there's nothing wrong with changing. Right. But changing to these weird extremes to please a very vocal and small minority. Tiny minority. Is is just, you know, kind of societal suicide. Yeah. You know, now it's come so fast, so soon that now you're getting all these transgender um, <clears throat> story time for children and babies. and I've seen stories about that. You know, they just had to cancel one the other day of a, a cross-dresser uh, bondage thing for in, geared towards children. Is this something to do with like a teddy bear and, and some leather bondage gear? Just something to do with people that have no business having children. And being parents. Have you run across the, I, I think it's it's pronounced Balenciaga? It was, it was a bondage-themed drag queen show for babies. Where was this? Uh, I saw the article on Breitbart. And where was this? i got to get that article. But, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Who thinks that that's a, an appropriate forum to do, you know, cross-dressing, transgender, bondage stuff. I mean, I guess they're babies. They don't know anything. They're not, but still, what the hell? Well, okay. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I know, man. It's crazy. You know, and, and that's another thing, too. I'll, I'll go out on the limb and say this. You know, I think people that try to have or, or, or push hormone therapy on their young children should have their kids taken from them. I mean, you know, you're supposed to be the adult in the room. You're the, right. you're the adult. You're supposed to be the one that, you know, teaches your child what's right, what's wrong. Once they're out of the house, let them make their own decisions then, you know. But you don't, because, <laughs> I remember I walked around in my mom's heels one day when I was like five years old because I thought I was funny or whatever. I didn't put them back on. It didn't mean my dad went out and bought me a doll and dresses and you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I think he wants to be a woman. Right, right. Oh no, man, I mean, geez. Maybe he really wants to be a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. You do need an adult in the room. But I, I just, I don't understand it. And are these isolated cases? And that, he just showed me a picture of uh, a drag queen. A person, yeah, with just a, uh, look like a thong on or something like that. And that's it. Shaking whatever it had in front of a library room full of people with children, like very young children. Why would you, what is it that a parent in that position thinks about that they're promoting to bring their child to that? Hey, let's go look. So, so something like that, a, a drag queen show <clears throat> is typically something that you would have to go to an after hours club to. You know, right, or, or let's go looking club. for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and typically it's a place where five year olds, two year olds, babies are not allowed. Right. You know, so why do they now all of a sudden, what's this big push to have, I'll tell you exactly what it is, is to normalize it for the next generation. You know, if they grow up seeing it, thinking that it's normal and part of society, it's easier for them to get it done. True. You know, just like they've they've been trying to do with education. They've been trying to dumb down education for years. They've been trying to increase the amount of anti-U.S. sentiment in education and, you know, things like that. So it's just a part of their pattern of 
just trying to, I don't know, transform America, for lack of a better word. I mean, that's what the former president said, you know, trying to transform America. Well, it's a big country, and there's enough room for everybody, I guess. Yeah, but that's, see, that's why the Republican form of government was such a smart concept, because if I don't like what they're doing in California, I can move to Alabama. Right. But the way that they are trying to, to push things these days is that everything is being federalized. You know, all rules, laws, and everything are being federalized, so I can't escape what they want to do. I can't escape the lunacy. Right, right. You know, so whereas if I thought a state, you know, was or one person party was out of control, I could vote for the other party, you know. And then by and large, that's what America typically does. You know, you don't see, you know, decades of Republican rule or decades right. of Democrat rule because you know, people kind of get sick of one thing after, you know, say, "Okay, Bush was getting us into too many wars and then they they voted for Obama you know and then then Obama went a little bit too far to the the left so they they voted Trump in and Trump was you know couldn't get off Twitter and <laughs> they, they voted the senile you know poopy pants in and so it just goes back and forth all the time you know and I think that's good because you don't want one party in power for long enough to really establish its own ideas of what right is. No, and certainly if they can't work across aisles with each other, you know, because yeah. then then you're just getting the, the, you know, autocracy, one party rule, you know. Right, right. Or just, you know, and then I think all presidents now, it seems like they're using way too much executive privilege, executive power, executive, you know, decrees or whatever executive orders has that changed do you think recently yeah uh, you know what that's a good question maybe it hasn't maybe it's just been more publicized um, it seems like they're using it a lot more for um, for more significant types of things than they had in the past whereas before it might be I'm using an executive order to fill a cabinet position that's been vacant okay you know now it's you know no student loan repayments you know, or I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've all done. I know, hell, there's always a number that they post out there who, you know, what president, how many executive orders they, they had. But, yeah. you know, the number of the executive orders that they had doesn't really tell the story as much as what the executive orders were. And the sad thing about this is all this stuff gets so misconstrued around party lines by the media. It's you really have to go digging deep to go find the truth behind these these topics. Well, that's true, too. And I, you know, I, you know, sometimes I do hear a, a guy that'll call into a radio show and be talking from the exact opposite point of view, and sometimes it does make me pause and think. Right. You know, as, as long as there's a, that's where we're missing the civility in the arguments, you know, it just devolves into name calling too quickly, right, right. where nobody can really have a discussion to see what are the merits of your side and why you feel that way, and right. is there any common ground that we could start from? Right. You know, and and <clears throat> take take border immigration, for instance. You know, Democrats, if you're not talking comprehensive immigration reform, it's a non-starter for them. 
You know, whereas if you're in the business world, the biggest way to make an impact is you find out what the biggest issue is or the, where the biggest waste is and you, you deal with that. And right. then you go to the second biggest issue, second waste, and you deal with that. Right. You don't have to solve every single problem that you have at the same time. Right. But they know that nobody's going to come up with a comprehensive plan that everybody's going to agree on. So it's, it's their way of just letting immigration be the way it is. Well, we've already got a well-established means to become a citizen of this country through an existing legal immigration process. Now we're talking about not enforcing that process. I've got a or buddy adhering to. that uh, was taught a bunch of the classes when I was working on my computer science degree. He's an Indian dude. Came over here on a visa. Went right to work as a professor in a university. Over the course of, I think it took him 10 years to get through the immigration process, and it cost him $10,000. And during that time, his wife came here. I think they had an arranged marriage. His wife came here and finished her graduate program here in the country, and she went through the same process. Now they've got a son here. Um, they bring their mom over. You know how Indian folks are with their family. Their mom is over here a lot, as much like as she Filipinos. can be. Um, but I mean... He never had any issues. He had to go back over there a couple times during the course of his immigration progress process. But um, it seems like the people coming across the border are more seeking refugee status here with slash, I'll be here for three months, have a kid or two, and then I'm an immigrant automatically. It's a completely different thing. And that's not in the Constitution either. You're not even... Just because you had a kid doesn't mean that that kid... Makes is a citizen. If you were here illegally, that kid is not a citizen. Anchor babies. Yes, yeah, there's babies, no such yeah. thing as anchor baby. It's just a term. Hey, while we were talking, I've uh, actually looked up some of these uh, executive orders. Okay. Um, just to give you, you know, an idea. So Joe Biden has 107 so far. Donald Trump had 220. By comparison, Barack Obama had 276. But he had eight years. Trump okay. only had four. George Bush had 291. Clinton had 364. Bush Sr. had 166. Reagan, 381. Carter, 324. Ford, 169. Dang. But, you know, the abuses, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he had 3,721. What? <laughs> That's for all the state parks he created. I don't know, man. Calvin Coolidge had 1,203. Woodrow Wilson, 1,803. Dang. You know, then if you go way, way back, George Washington, the first president, had eight executive orders. John Adams had one. Thomas Jefferson had four. James Madison, one. James Monroe, one. So. Interesting. Yeah, they didn't, uh, you know, but back in the back in the day when they first founded the government, I mean, they really wanted it to be responsible to the people. Right. You know, so not not as an anchor to themselves. I think there was uh, they would have never dreamt of a full grown adult life in politics. No, there was no such thing, and they absolutely didn't want it because that's what we came here to get away from. Absolutely, they fled that. You know, among among the myriad reasons, but you know they wanted to found it find something that was a little bit more perfect 
represent a true representative form yeah. of government. Yeah. Of the people, for the people, by the people. But now it's like the people have no power. No. Other than the few elections. And I, I've, man, the last few years I've really wondered, you know, you're supposed to get out and vote. Do your job as a citizen. Go vote. But then you, it's just been news since Biden got elected of the election being stolen from Trump, this whole Russia collusion thing. Uh, all the, um, the Dominion voting machines being hacked and ballots being harvested and all this, like, it really makes me feel like, why go vote at all? Because somebody else has already made the decision of who the next person's going to be, and they're going to cheat their way into getting that person elected. Whoever these people are, I don't know, but that's just the way I feel about voting right now. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I, you know, <clears throat> I feel that also, to an extent. Yeah, There's, there's going to come a time where we just have to you know, put our big boy pants on and realize that we have to go ballot harvest as well. I mean, if they're going to make those things legal, then we have to do it better. True. You know, we can sit here and cry about it or we can make, you know, see if we make laws to counter everything that the Democrats do, we're, we're always playing, you know, catch up, catch up. Yeah. Yeah. We're always reacting instead of right. being proactive. Right. You know, and, and, and then, that just leaves on the table for them the whole they're racist they're you know trying to prevent people from voting and voter intimidation and this and that well you know it's just trying to promote a fair and legal system of of voting you know when you have a person that goes to an old folks home and he just has people fill out ballots and tells them who to vote for and you know who knows what's going on in the room with them? You know, and then like in Atlanta, they had, you know, people that were dropping off 80, 90, 100 ballots at a time. You know, I mean, where are all these ballots coming from? I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think that in the current age where It's it's possible, and I'm using air quotes, for a person to live in two or three places at the same time enough where they can vote three times. Sort of like legally-ish. But you don't run across too many people who have more than one cell phone. Unless you work for a company and you get a company-issued cell phone. I would at least like to see some honest discussion about maybe revising the voting system so that if you have a social security number, you get essentially like a piece of cryptocurrency that's tied to that social security number and you have to go take that voting token essentially to the polls so you can only ever vote once even if you're dead why you why do you get a, why do you need once. a token well, you have a driver's license already <laughs> yeah but you can vote without a driver's license you should not what stage you can't in Alabama you can't do anything without a driver's license how know, can you but, have a job without a driver's license how can you have a job without a social security card <laughs> How can you do all these things, but you can still vote? Yeah. I mean, you can't get a pack of cigarettes. You can't get... I mean, driver's ID, driver's licenses are the most racist things out there, I guess. They're all anti-black people. I mean, right. How do black people... How are they supposed to get their 40? I don't... You know, yeah. without without their ID? Without a, yeah. So, or state ID? I don't know how the state ID process works. I've never had to do you it. You know, if I were a black person, I would be so offended by Democrats always talking down to them. Well, you think... You think I'm too dumb to be able to get my own driver's license because I'm black? I mean, I got four years to figure it out before the next election. I can't get a driver's license in that amount of time? Right. 
Right. You know, I can't I can't arrange for somebody to come drive me to the poles in four years. Right. You know, here's where they do get you though, or, or the the process is like in some of these last couple of states here, uh, Fetterman in Pennsylvania, um, and I can't remember another one, but they didn't do any of their debates until they waited purposely until after mail-in voting had begun. So mail-in voting starts and people want to automatically vote for a Democrat or whatever or, or Republican or whatever it may be. But that's before the first debate. Wow. You know, so how, how are people supposed to... You should have to have a couple of debates before mail-in voting is opened up. I agree. 100%. And look, and look, at, look at Fetterman now. You know, and he's a basket case. He's checked himself in for, you know... Anxiety, anxiety, panic attacks, whatever. He's had a second stroke after the first one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's had a second stroke. That was why he was in the hospital the first time. And now they said that everybody, all he hears are Charlie Brown teacher voices. Wah 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 wah. He can't understand dialogue. Oh, he's gone then. No, no, no. They've made arrangements so that when people talk, they they type it out for him so he can read the, the the text. Of everything, he's still holding down his job. Didn't I see something last week where he sponsored a, a new bill from whatever care facility he's in? I don't know. I think I saw that last week somewhere. I'm proud I don't live in Pennsylvania. We had to get, you know, our buddy up the street there. He's from PA. See how proud he is of Fetterman and the, oh. and the gang. <laughs> the debate process. When when voting season comes up, I, I, I try to do my due diligence. You just use the term. It, it should not be voting season. It should be voting day. Why can Florida get it done? Wait, wait. Let me finish. Let me finish. Voting season. Okay, so it's election season or whatever. They're, they're, it's coming up soon. And so when I made my mind up, I'm going to go to the polls this time. I go do my due diligence and go look at who's on the ballot and go do some at least preliminary research into what they're about and what they voted for and the kind of bills they sponsored and the committees they've sat on. And you should look at the, the amendments that are on the, the ballot as well. There's always amendments to your state constitution. Yes, yes, good point, good point. So I'll do that research. But it's, man, imagine if there wasn't YouTube, there would be no way to go look and see what these people have said publicly if you're not paying attention to the news constantly, how can you really get a well-educated opinion, a well-informed opinion about somebody these days without just spending days and days and days? And 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 maybe you're not really too much interested in politics and don't have a desire to follow the news cycle constantly. Like, what do you do if you're going to... Okay, I'm more Democratic than I am Republican, or I'm more conservative than I am progressive or whatever. So I'm just going to, a lot of people just go vote party lines. That's how my dad raised me. This is the way I'm going to stick. And in some cases, maybe somebody from the other party has a better track record if you can see it. But man, these things are not easy to find. I remember during uh, Obama's reign when that, uh, when Obama, the American Health Care Act, when they passed that, they released it, what was it, on a Thursday evening or a Friday evening and signed it in the very next day. I went and dug that document up online. I was getting, I was determined to read it, just because I'm a little bit of a masochist. And um, 
I, I couldn't get through the first 20 pages because it's this this paragraph is preceded by this other paragraph and there's a reference to some previous bill and there's it's not a hot link it's a C house bill something something 247.a.b presides this supersedes that it's just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph after paragraph and it's all legal talk how the heck is somebody just normal cat supposed to understand all that it's impossible man they they ought to do something that says no bill can be over 200 pages or 50 pages I mean, address what you got to address and move on to the next thing. But they get these these omnibus bills that are two thousand pages that cut down, you know, mining minor forests by themselves, and they're supposed to they're supposed to have forty eight hours to review it. How the hell do There's you? There's no way. No, you can't read a two thousand page book. Now, even even if it's got do, pictures in it in two days. You know, they ought to they ought to just sneak some kind of language into a bill that says, you know. Democrats vote the day after Republicans. <laughs> and then everybody be like, wait, wait, uh, uh, how, how'd that get in there? Oh, well, too bad you guys never get to vote again because it's, it's in the bill. That would stop that nonsense right away. I or, really wonder. You know, Democrats have to give 25% of their salary to, uh, you know, the immigrants, illegal immigrants. Oh, nice. Nice. Something like that. But they, they, they miss, you ever talk, hey, names of bills. You ever, you ever hear those bills that they come up with, the names for them? It's always never, ex- it's opposite of what it's supposed to do. I know, it's so Like crazy. the Patriot Act? Yes. Screwed the Patriots. It, yeah. Yeah, they, they always find some clever acronym or, or whatever, you know. Just pro-choice weird. and pro-life, it's still, conf- I have to stop and think about it for a minute, even to today. You know, and what, what, was the, what was the bill that uh, the Florida, Ron DeSantis had? They, they called it the Don't Say Gay bill. You know, that was nothing in there. Nothing yeah. in there about Don't Say Gay. Yeah. You know, but then, yeah, you had the Patriot Act. You have the, um, you, you called the, the health care plan one, whatever that was. That was, that was a joke. The affordable health care plan. Yeah, my, my insurance went up. It just made health care. Like three times what it was. Less affordable for Everybody who's going to have it anyway. Yeah, yeah. My family insurance through company went from six hundred to fourteen hundred dollars in the course of like seven months. There's a nasty industry right there, man. Insurance. We lived we lived down on um, on the coast when Hurricane Katrina hit. Knew a lot of people that that hurricane affected. I can, and I cannot remember, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, whether it was Farm Bureau or State Farm. This was before this, the, was it the state mandated that if you lived in an area that was considered in, below the floodplain that you had flood to zone. have separate flood insurance. This was before that mandate. State Farm, man, I want to say it was. If I'm saying it wrong, sorry. It's, it was either State Farm or Farm Bureau. Two weeks after the hurricane left shut down all their businesses in the state and left so all the people that had insured that were counting on that insurance to help put their house back together and help recover their vehicles and put their lives back no sir they closed down business in the state and left I'd be surprised if they had active contracts that they didn't honor them they probably just moved so that they didn't have to cover that again cut their losses and 
they were out of there. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of people in that state, man. And there were two of them, I believe. It was that one, and there was a smaller one. But man, so many people got screwed. It had. Go ahead. Well, you know, talking insurance, it's similar to like you know credit cards. You know, why does somebody who's got the the worst credit? Why are you going to give them a thirty percent interest rate? You know, if they if they're already a high risk, not going to be able to pay That's something back. Why are you going to charge them an infinitely larger sum that they're probably even going to be less likely to pay back? Right. That's a good point. So you know, credit cards, insurance. Chris Rock called it in case shit. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to see it. Yeah, that's another gross industry. Even now, man, I've been at this for a long time, and I've got pretty good credit. But when I get a credit card offer in the mail, it's like 0% for a year. But then it's 25% APR after that. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. what, really? Yeah. If it was an APR, yeah, I hope it's not one of those variable rates or, or something. But, you know, and usually it's a 0% for the first 12 months if you do a balance transfer. Yes. Something like that. And then it's know? a 5% fee on your, your balance transfer. They're not just giving you credit. They're just not just get. They're going to make money off of you, and if not you, it's going to be the next guy who didn't read the fine print, decided he was going to finance a couch, or two, and pay it off in a couple <laughs> years. Yeah, I've I remember when before. I was in college and I wanted to go to the, because the power company had all these things you could rent to own, you know, big screen TVs and everything. Yeah, you end up paying, the power company. Yeah. Alabama Power and go down to the office over there they rent you like like Rent-A-Center does no kidding well I remember they did when I was in school or I thought they did I didn't know power companies could do that I don't know maybe not maybe it was some other place maybe I, you know, that was so long ago you slept since then yeah but yeah you end up paying you know double what the TV would have cost just I want it now. <laughs> you ever rent, what is it, rent rent and ride? You can buy wheels on a payment plan? You ever seen that? I think you were telling me about that. I've never seen that, though. It may not be up here. It was down on the coast. <sighs> I know quite a few people who did that. And then car stereos? You rent on them car stereos, too, I've never man. heard that, either. Yeah. Rent on a car stereo versus just no. You I mean can, like a rent to own versus just buying it on credit. You buy it and then they'll finance you. Oh well. And dude, there was so many stories. Everybody's car all the time back in high school was getting broken into and their stereo stuff stole. What they never said was they got it from that one shop downstairs that or downtown that will finance your purchase. And if you miss if you miss your payment, they'll come repo. <laughs> Pyramid amplifiers and Yank like Alpine 12s in a big box. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Detachable face head units. Do they do they even make those anymore? I don't know, man. There's so many big double-din and larger face plates now. I mean, I can't imagine those are detachable. Dude, that was the cool thing when I was in high school. You take the face plate off your radio and smack it in a little plastic cover and put it in your back pocket right by your beeper when you're walking through the mall yes sir yes sir you be talking to hollering at a girl man make sure you turn just a little bit so she can see your alpine detachable faceplate. oh wow yes sir yep that was before donks that was back in the mclean days you remember those spoke wheel like the gold spokes 
They'd have little itty bitty tiny wheels on it, like twelve inch wheels, oh. and they were gold, and they little itty bitty tiny white wall tires on them. Did they have curb feelers. Curb feel. Well, no, that was no, no, no. Those have been. <laughs> that was just the old cats. Back okay, then. okay. The OGs. They had the curb feelers. But uh, that was just down south. Man, if you so how those curb feelers work? Did a light come on or something? No, they just just make a noise. That's great. Yeah, that was it. Oh, okay. That was it. That's and then stupid. the cars when they started when the Mexicans brought in those um, the hydraulics. Yeah. They they put, I want to say they were called sparklers, but there's probably a more sophisticated term on. They would bolt like aluminum rods onto the rear suspension of their car, so when they dropped the back and picked the front up, it would sparkle like it would scrape on the concrete as they were driving down the street. And spark did all kinds of crazy stuff back in the day. Low, low riders, man. S10 trucks, dude, with hydraulics, just like we're scraping on the ground. Slam it, yes, sir. You get, but you know, that's why that's just another prime example of capitalism. You know, there's something great for, for everybody, true, yeah, because I'd never dream of doing something like that with my ride but you know there are plenty of people out there that think it's kick ass oh yeah yep donks I was there through the donk era you know those they put uh, 42 inch wheels on their Monte Carlos oh, okay yeah, yeah those yeah. were donks yeah and then the, the they seems were redonkulous the, is what it was that's probably where it came from got them redonkulous <laughs> wheels on there uh can barely turn the steering wheel because the wheels are rubbing on both sides of the fender wheel. Oh my god! They didn't have. I guess they don't have wheel spacers for uh, old caddies, huh? I don't know. Or no, no, no. Because you want them, you want them tucked in there underneath the fender wells. But we do. Everybody's got their thing. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to see though that that I don't know what it's called. Squatters, I think it is. Oh God! With the back yes, down with the and the back front of the up, truck, I'm so glad to see that go away. That was the most unsafe, stupid-looking, ridiculous thing. Maybe it was cool, and some of those other things are unsafe. But dude, that was just—you couldn't even see over the hood of your car. I, I, you know, for the longest time, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. I thought because it was a truck, usually, I just thought he had. You know, like a weight set back there. He bought it. You know, some yard sale <laughs> going home. For you know, six months thousand, in a row. Thousand pounds weighing down the back of his truck. I didn't know, man. I was like, I got my whole home gym back there. Man. That guy needs Don't hate to on me. replace his rear springs or something. Oh, it was so. And then your headlights are shot. It's just so unsafe. I'm okay. You know, I, I didn't get even think it. about the headlights thing. Big engines and, you know, do your thing. But that one, dude, I completely, completely disagree with. It's just too much the other direction. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You've got a relatively new vehicle. Do you have LED lights? Yes. Are they not infinitely brighter than the old halogens? Oh, yes, had? sir. Yes, sir. My the my Harley had all halogens. No, no, no. Filament. Is it halogen? Uh, filament bulbs. Just whatever. Just yeah. regular filament bulbs. All the way around. 2019... Street Glide. I mean, it was a it was an upper level Harley. It wasn't cheap, and there was not a single LED bulb on there anywhere. Headlight, blinkers, tail light, nothing. 
That's terrible. Incandescent. There's a word I'm looking for. They were all incandescent. And you could barely see the brake lights in broad in regular daylight. It's just stupid. So yeah, I very much appreciate when I bought this truck, dude. It's it's LEDs all the way. Even inside. Everything's LEDs. Oh, inside too. Yes. I'm trying to get my wife's uh Ram. She's got a 2017 Ram 1500 and the the headlights are just abysmally dim. Really? I feel it's unsafe. Yeah, but I, I struggle. You know, you know your lights are dim when you, you're driving at night under street lights and you can't tell your headlights are on. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's got the yellow headlights and they're just, I, I just can't stand them, especially because my Jeep, I've got the LED package on those. Yes. But I was trying to figure out the best way to go about, uh, I'm going to replace all of her halogens with some LED lamps. There, there's just such a wide variety of packages you can buy, you know, or, you know, replacement bulbs. Right. You know, some have the capacitors built into the, the lamp with a fan and all attached in one assembly. Some of them, it's just kind of the bulb that you screw in with a cable that comes out and you're, uh, the, the you're talking about HID. No, LED and, uh, HI LED. They're the, you know, they're both better than your regular. Yeah, but it's HID that needs the, the booster box and the fan and all that stuff. Well, they all have. Need they them, all need them. Do they? They all need them, but there's some of them are just built into and all one package. No kidding. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. That's at least the way I've been looking at them. Okay. Um. I don't know. Anyway, just got to find some that that work for hers and get them replaced. But man, it ain't like it used to be getting into it to a headlight where you could just take the, the no. thing out and put it back in for her ramp i gotta take the entire grill off really yes take the grill off get up under the the wheel well there's a flap you pull down and then you got to reach up in there and unlock it from the inside screw unscrew it from the outside and then you can't reach it and get it off until that grill is out oh boy yeah it's just i'm sure it's not that big of a deal but it's just a far cry from the way it used to be. To Stick your arm in there, twist it, quarter yeah. turn, pop it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Open the hood, pop out your bulb. Get you some of those Sylvania 6500K 6, headlights from AutoZone and stick them in there. Yeah. Everything plug and play. Yeah. Yeah, my son's car, he wanted to do his headlights a few weeks ago. And we started looking around and would have had to take in his driver's side tire off. Unclip the interior wheel well all the way around. Take a couple other things off on the left side. And then you maybe, if you hold your arm just right, can get in there and twist it. Let's, um, man, let's take a break. All right. Had to go make some water. That's what they called it back in the old days. Making water. No water I'd want to drink. <laughs> Only if it's attached to snow. Man, you just recently voluntarily submitted yourself to a uh, a challenge. And I'm really curious if, if you'd like to, to tell me about what you learned about yourself through the course of that challenge. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so... My sister's been doing these challenges with her and her friends for the past several years. And uh, 
this time they had six teams of four people, and right at the end, or right at the beginning, the day before they were supposed to start, somebody dropped out, so they had one team that was down a person. She called me up, and I was like, hey, we really need one more person on this other team to get it going. And so I agreed to do it reluctantly. And uh, <laughs> it was it was one of the best things that I've done for myself in a long time. But uh, so, so it was a 60-day challenge. You know, you hear the 60 hard or, or 30 hard or whatever, or dry January, and it's very similar to those things. But um, the specifics of this one was only water for 60 days. So no coffee, no tea, no alcohol. You're just allowed to drink water for the next 60 days. Okay. Um, you had to do five minutes of meditation. So I, had, I downloaded an app to help me with that. You had to read 10 pages every day, which for me was the eye-rolling, I can't remember the last book I read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so long ago. I'd rather play Xbox and, and goof off than, than read a book. But, right. So, you know, a lot of this stuff I had to motivate myself for. You had to do 100 push-ups every day, 100 sit-ups every day, two 45-minute workouts and adhere to a diet of your choice. Okay. So a lot of it for me was um, being able to uh, prioritize and really come up with my schedule. That was the hardest part. I mean, I remember the first couple of nights I was lying awake in bed going, how the, how the heck am I going to fit two 45-minute workouts in my schedule when I've got, you know, three kids going to two different soccer practices that, you know, go from five to eight and then I'm going to be up till 10 or so at night doing this stuff. And so it just really was stressing me out in the beginning, but it was really a matter of figuring out how to work all this stuff in. So the first thing I had to do was start getting up earlier and I, I would do a workout in the morning before I'd take my son to the bus stop. How much earlier did you get up? At least an hour. Okay. So I started getting up at five, well, about 45 minutes earlier. So I'd set my alarm for 5.15, hit it snooze one time for 10 minutes, and I'd be up at 5.30. And I'd do my first 45-minute workout. And during that first workout, I would incorporate my push-ups and sit-ups. So I'd knock out the 100 push-ups, the 100 sit-ups, and you know whatever other stuff I did in my workout to get that that first workout in. So it doesn't have to be two 45-minute workouts separate from your 100 push-ups and sit-ups. And you could roll some of the stuff in there together. And that was part of what it was about figuring out how to do it all. Like my sister, she said, I would get on my, my stationary bike and I'll be doing my, my ride and I'll read. Okay. So she gets her reading in while she's on the stationary bike. Okay. So another thing that I started doing too is I would do my meditation in the morning get that out of the way, do that first workout with 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and then take my son to the bus stop, come back, you know, get ready for work. And when I get home from work and I take the kids to soccer, I would get my second workout in doing a 45-minute walk around the soccer fields okay. while they're they're playing. So and then, and then it was just adhering to, to uh, the diet, which was, um, for me, I, I chose no salted snacks and no candy because I was a big chip eater potato chips Cheetos you know all that crap I'd come okay. home for lunch and I'd make a sandwich and I'd eat a bag of chips with it dang 
you know, not not like a whole bag, not like a family size bag, but you know, a little, a little <laughs> a lunch snack. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I just said no chips and no candy, and man, my wife helped me out with that one because we had we still had a mammoth size bowl of candy from Halloween that was sitting on the the counter. And every time I'd walk through the kitchen, you know, I'd pull out one of those little minis. Ah, what's a mini gonna do? You know, so I'd eat a mini, and then I'd, you know, walk back through the kitchen to get a whatever. And oh, hey, there's another mini. It's not gonna do anything. So Fourteen little yeah. baby Milky Ways right? later, right? Yeah. So I'm just loading up on on these minis and everything, and and it's not even the mini alcohol. That's that'd be cool, but um, you you were the only one giving out minis during Halloween <laughs> or Sorry. Jello shooters. I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it, uh, it was really it was really good for me because it allowed me to figure out you know how I could incorporate all this stuff and still and stay active and that's what it's all about really just being active right. much more active than I was because I sit on my fat ass for eight hours a day at yeah. the office. Yeah, me so too. you know being up and getting some push ups and sit ups in, you know I, I'm just seeing a physical change in my body. I went I weighed oh you also have to weigh in every day and take a selfie every day. Okay. So I weighed in to start the challenge at 216.8 pounds, and I weighed out on the 60th morning at 198.6 pounds. Fantastic. So I lost 18.2 pounds in 60 days. Nice. And, and I attributed a lot to it, uh, or a lot of it, to just not all the garbage food that I was eating, right. all the garbage mouthing and everything, and the alcohol. Right. And the sedentary lifestyle. Right. You know, so I think I'll be able to stick with this, and that is the plan. Okay. Maybe not. One of the things that was a downfall on this was, you know, doing 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups every day, I, there's no rest day. You know, I'd, I'd like to incorporate a rest day, especially when I when I did start to incorporate some weights into my workouts and things. Got a lot of fatigue in my left elbow, so it was just aching, and, and I just worried about injuring myself. And then not being able to continue. So I'll make sure that moving forward, I'll be able to stick with this if I give myself some rest days. Um, just, just monitor and limit the garbage that I eat. Yeah. But, you know, I can, one of the hard parts about cutting out all the coffee too, I was a three or four cup a day coffee drinker, you know. So the first four days, I had raging caffeine headaches. Yeah. It was just awful. But now I don't, I don't need them. You know, I don't need the caffeine. Anymore. And you don't have any caffeine intake at all now? Mm-mm. No, I mean, I do now because the challenge ended the other day. I've gone back and drank a cup in the morning or something. But I am definitely trying to drink more water. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think that was another thing that was good for me. And I've, I've actually read two books. Fantastic. <laughs> I got two books. That I, I mean, literally, I can't remember the last book I read before this challenge. And, through this challenge, I read two of them. I, I actually picked up uh, Vince Flynn, uh, American Assassin. That's a, it's kind of a Tom Clancy-ish um, type of okay. CIA spy type novel. Yeah. He's got a boatload of books. There's like 20 in the series. You've developed an affinity again for reading. No. No? No. I'd rather, I'd rather like, yeah. play Xbox at night with you, but uh, I, I feel like I should I, read a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, I got to finish this next book, and it's actually a good series. There's another one that I, I would like to, to try to pick up too. It's along the same lines. I can't remember the, the name, but uh, this is Mitch Rapp. He's the CIA guy. They actually made a movie out about it um, a year or two ago. Tell me, it wasn't the Gray Man? 
No, no. It's called American Assassin. Oh, okay. It's got Michael Keaton in it. And the guy that plays Mitch Rapp, he's a new actor or new-ish. So I don't, I can't remember his name. But it was actually a pretty darn good movie. I was just coincidentally listening to a podcast about this guy who wrote a book called The, the Gray Man. Uh, what's his name? Mark Greeny. And I've not read the books, but there's a movie, I guess, out. It's still early in the podcast. I haven't figured it all out yet. <clears throat> but it sounds like it's pretty good. What's it about? The Gray Man? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read the books. I, I, but I'm curious now to read them because uh, Joe Rogan was saying that this dude has a sick mind because <laughs> his books are incredibly violent. So I'm very curious. I'd like to go check it out. I, I what, The Gray Man, is that on like Amazon or Netflix or something? I thought that I I don't heard know, man. It. Let's look. We're looking. Bust out the Google thumbs. Gray Man. Not the Wheel of Time. Boy, that was a long time ago. Okay, the Gray Man. IMDb. Watched when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets. A psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head. See, I'm interested already. I think I've actually got this in my uh, to-watch list. Now I'm going to have to actually watch it. Yeah, the gray man. Is that that dude? Jake Gyllenhaal? Is that Gyllenhaal? Who is that dude? He's grown up. I know Ryan, you're talking Gosling. About Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. And Chris Evans is in it. And Anna DeArmas. See, doesn't that look interesting? It does. I'm going to watch it. I think I already did. <laughs> I've seen it already. I just don't remember. <laughs> Man, uh, meditating. That I actually enjoyed that much more than I thought that I would. Why? It was just... Gave you... It taught me to think about things in a different way than I had before. Okay, okay. Explain your concept of meditation to me. Well, using the app, it was it was guided meditation. Okay, what does that so, mean? I've never done that. So it's a voice talking to you, saying, "Okay, so now try to lay, you know, or imagine yourself, or sit in a chair where you're nice and comfortable, and feeling, you know, consciously think about all the contact points that are supporting your body and lifting you up, and you know, lengthen your spine and take a deep breath and relax." And then think about how your day went and think about three things that that impacted your day today and how did you feel about them. And it's just kind of giving you a, an introspective look at the way you reacted to the day. And, and you know, you can do it several different ways. You, you can do some of these to try to have gratitude for, for three things or, you know, um, I don't know. There's just a lot of different ways to look at at your day, so you can, depending on when you do your your meditation. If mm -hmm. I do it in the morning, then it's more about trying to get yourself in a positive mindset and and getting yourself up and ready to go to tackle the day. If you're doing one in the middle of the day, you might be trying to do something to try to energize yourself and to get yourself 
um, in the right state of mind to tackle something that's coming up at work or you know feeling good about something that you've already done so far okay um, at the end of the day it might be looking back at something that happened three things that impacted your day you know what what, what were they how how did you feel about them non judgmentally you know don't look back and be mad because you did something wrong or or happy because or over happy or excited but just take an intellectual look at something and just I don't know use it to help yourself better yourself and and to calm yourself you can also you can use it for for stretching as well you can lose it to help use it to help yourself go to sleep at night okay um, but it's just a way to kind of relax your mind and to focus on on certain things and in the background or in the foreground and I don't know I, I still have a lot of learning to do on on meditation okay um, I didn't get through nearly you know all of the the, the types of sessions because I only had to do it for five minutes I did some 10 minute sessions but there were certainly some longer ones but some of them I shortened up to just five minutes to get it done right but I found it interesting let me let me while we're talking about new things one of the things that I implemented in my workouts was I, I started yoga yes okay that's hard shit man it <laughs> it's is. a lot harder than I thought it was yeah I was like oh I can stand there yeah I, what do you just stand there do a pose I mean come on how hard is that and then your legs start quaking and quivering and yeah and you're like god come on <laughs> is it not time yet and and yoga yoga forces you to implement some aspects of probably what you've learned from meditation during your yoga practice yeah you know i think one of the one of the things about yoga is that it really helps to strengthen your stabilizer muscles yes and, and a lot of those muscles that you, you need, not just your power moving muscles but the muscles that actually help you have fine motor skills and balance and and things like that yeah I thought it was very interesting. I, I have a new appreciation for wow. for yoga. Okay. So I'm actually going to you know continue doing some of that because I thought it was good for... I have lower back issues. So yeah, me too. I thought it too. was very good for helping me stretch. Yeah. Um, stretch and strengthen. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that, that was a very interesting eye-opener for me. I was like, okay. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do some yoga here to knock out some of my workout points. I was like, yeah. oh my God accidentally discovered that it's it's a, it's a, yeah, it can like, be torturous man let me go back to my a weights 20 minute yoga session i do that a couple times a week mm-hmm. and uh man about 12 15 minutes in like my brain just wants to quit my body's like i'm over this i, I need i don't want to do this anymore and it's just 20 minutes yeah and you're just moving around really <clears throat> it's crazy yeah but you're holding a holding a pose that is not just a standing there pose so your muscles are are flexing your body weight and they're actually getting you know some good good exercise it's it's good stuff man i'm gonna i'm going to keep doing it that's for sure i'm glad to hear that glad you discovered that on your own with your meditation you were you were saying that you needed to reflect on three things throughout the day did you find that you felt more strongly about things than you thought that you did you know how men are we're just like ah, nothing bothers us and in, in reflecting over the day did you learn well maybe i do feel a little bit more than i thought i did well when you actually have to sit there and think about it it's a lot easier to be um 
conscious of things that you just take for granted. Uh, you know, so I did the gratitude um, meditation quite a few times. And so that was the one where it would ask you to think about three things that you that mean a lot to you. It can be a person. It can be a thing. It could be um, something about yourself, whatever, whatever it might be. And I just kept coming back to, you know, the obvious things, you know, my wife, my children, my job, um, my Jeep. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, I'm grateful for these things. But, you know, when you when you start thinking about when you actually sit there and are thinking about why am I grateful for, you know, my daughter Reagan or for my son, you start to think about, you know, I'm not just proud because he's my son or my she's my daughter or, you know, why is it that I, I feel these things? So it, it got a lot deeper than a lot deeper appreciation for it. You know, you start thinking about, well, she's very kind. She's very nice to her friends. She's, you know, thoughtful. She helps out with the dishes around the house. She does a lot of things that you might take for granted. I see. So, you know, she puts her stuff in the laundry, you know, little things that, that help us out without, you know, she doesn't come up and say, Hey, I just, I just put my laundry in the, in the, washing machine kind of five dollars you know right it's not like she's doing it for this or that or whatever right she feeds the dogs every day when she gets home at four o'clock you know so it's just just things about that new appreciation and then my wife was out of town this past week so that gave me a whole new appreciation for her <laughs> you know i mean hell you know our neighbor scott across the street he's a single dad you know he's got two kids yeah and so you know, I have a new appreciation for what single parents have to do when I'm the one that has to get up early. So not only did I have to get up extra early, I had to get um, lunches made. I had to get my son up, Bishop, you know, in time for him to get breakfast. I had to feed him, you know, because when my wife was there, she gets up early and she does that because she goes to work early. She goes at six o'clock. Okay. So she gets up early anyways, but she makes all the lunches and she gets Bishop up and she gets him fed and everything. But now I was doing it. So I had right. to get up extra early on top of having the already reworked my in. schedule to get my exercises in. Now yeah. I've got to do all this other stuff and I've got to make sure the laundry is getting done. You know, so the kids have clothes to wear for, for school, for soccer, their uniforms are washed and all this stuff. So I was like, damn, she, she does a lot that <laughs> I really don't do yeah so you know and and she goes to bed super early every night because she gets up so early right so yeah it's just a it's neat to think about those things outside of like when it's their birthday and you're buying them a card or a present or when you just walk by and say i love you you know you actually dig down into why do i why? love you yeah or, or what is it about you that i first was attracted to and you know, are you the same person that that you were? And what am I? You know, am I the same person? There's just so many different things. If you actually sit down and think about it, hmm. instead of just existing, you know, I mean, it's easy to get up in the morning and eat something and plop down in front of the TV, or or think I've got to do this. I've got to get my lawn mowed. And you know, and my wife's like, "Hey, remember, I got to take Reagan to soccer." It's like, "Oh yeah, you got things to do too." Right, right. You know, it's so easy to become self-absorbed and wrapped up in your world and everybody else is just secondary but around you. Right. You know, so when you actually take the time to think about them and and your interactions with them and 
how the whole family unit is involved. It's just a different way to look at it, and it's very eye-opening. Wow. Dude, that's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know about beautiful. Oh, it is. But it's something that I, I, even if I'm not like doing a formal meditation, all my meditation has been guided so far. I don't just sit there by myself and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. So I'm not to that level yet. Okay. I kind of like the guided meditation better. Well, it sounds like it's, it's, it's productive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Versus absolutely. just sitting there and trying to clear your mind, which is hard. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't... <clears throat> It is kind of, there are some of them, some of the longer ones where they'll play like waves crashing in the background and you'll hear seagulls and stuff and you're just supposed to kind of be focusing on the sounds and next thing you know your mind wanders and 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 that's okay. You're, you're supposed to just acknowledge that your mind is, has wandered and then come back and try to remain or refocus oh, on okay. what you were doing. But it's, I don't know how many times I just fell asleep to that stuff. Okay. It was great. And I'd much rather fall asleep to the meditation than when I fell asleep reading my book. Because when I fell asleep reading my book, all I dreamt about was the damn book. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Yeah, I was like freaking terrorist trying to take over the White House. <laughs> damn it. It's me. It's my White House. Have you ever run across the binaural noise? Have you heard that term? I've heard that term, but I don't know if I can define it for you. So your right brain and left brain respond to different frequencies of sound. Like you could, let's just say you play a 112.5 hertz tone. It may wake your left brain up, but it won't make wake your right brain up. Huh. And then change the tone, and then your right brain is listening and not your left brain. Well, binaural... If I'm saying that correctly, has sort of a flowing in and out of both left and right brain responsive tones, and so you're sort of tickling this side and then tickling this side and then tickling this side, and the, the it's a weird sound. Uh, but that's supposed to help in meditation, sort of calming your brain because it it gets your brain sort of waking up and going back to rest and waking up. So and going does back everybody to, have the same frequencies? Oh, good question. There's or is there one common frequency? I think there's a common frequency. Yeah, this is a whole different thing than um, your your natural resonant frequency. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to like meditation, sleeping, I've I've heard I've I've tried it a little bit, but it makes me a little uncomfortable. See, I you know I've seen some of those shows where these people they'll go to sleep they'll have their dreams and it's like something spoke to them or they had some vision in their dream and then all of a sudden they get up and they they can you know do solve the most complicated math equation in the world you know it's, there's a, this guy in India who constantly had these visions when he would sleep and he's like the most brilliant mathematician and he swears that all this stuff is given to him from the stars it just comes down and hits him in his brain while he's asleep, and he'll come. He'll wake up and he'll write these insane that I understand that that solve stuff. That I kind of understand. It's like so where where does that come from? How does that? I mean, how does your brain even function like that? This this is a question that goes back <clears throat> centuries. 
um, I believe it was Aristotle who wrote that he wasn't sure whether he discovered mathematics or that they discovered him. Like it was a question of was his mathematical prowess great to the point where he could perceive new things that had not been seen before in the math or whether those things like how a somebody who carves marble or paints yeah. pictures will tell you I didn't paint the picture I just moved the stuff that didn't need to be there and the picture painted itself it's sort of that same that same concept so this guy you were Srinivasa Ramanujan tell me some more about him give me some more the greatest mathematical genius the world saw in recent years had no formal education in the subject and credited his work to visions from a goddess. So he didn't even have any mathematical training. That is mind-boggling. How's that possible? I don't know. He was born on December 22nd, 19, or 1887 as a son of a shop clerk. Man, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Now he gave us... Yeah, but these are legit mathematical equations that he's put forth that you know, solve cosmic problems. So some guy just went to sleep and woke up and did He's a self-taught mathematician, and it's astonishing how much the man achieved, turning into one of the most significant groundbreakers in history, much like Newton and Einstein. Okay, so it's not that he had a lack of math, mathematical knowledge. He just didn't have any formal mathematical training. Okay. Right. Well, Einstein was a lot like that. He was sort of a rebel in that same fashion speaking of which <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast of this guy I think his name is Eric Weinstein and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I've read a lot of books and I'm like decently informed on a lot of topics for almost four hours this dude talked and I barely understood anything that he said at all like he's that off the charts much smarter than I am he was talking about how what's his name who Eric Weinstein Weinstein who's the bad guy Weinstein then his uh, name is Harvey Harvey Weinstein that's the bad one yeah you don't pronounce his name the same way you do as Harvey's okay. Harvey's name he was talking about I think it was in the 60s uh, Gislaine uh, I always say that wrong <laughs> <laughs> I want my name to start with Jesus. Ghislaine Maxwell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her dad was involved early when the university system was starting to make a, a, a strong foothold in the, I guess maybe in the, what did he say, the 60s, the 50s, somewhere in there? Nice. It's only a smartphone. Who cares? This dude got himself injected into the requirement that if a university was going to call themselves a reliable university, they had to have on hand a complete set of journals relative to whatever their their major topic was. So like a computer science school had to have all the computer science journals. Her father, I believe his name was Robert Maxwell, got involved in the publication of these journals that the major universities were required to have complete copies of. And that's where his giant fortune came from and where her giant fortune came from and where in 
Eric Weinstein's opinion the beginning of the downfall of the university system came from. Because the journals define the focus of the universities or of these schools and the universities. And then they couldn't step outside of that or... And then it's all been downhill from there. Hmm. I kind of think the downfall of the universities is become you know suppression of speech absolutely you know they're supposed to be the place where you know you're supposed to be able to challenge intellectual ideas and have a meaningful conversation about about stuff but now you know you're not allowed to have another opinion that than what some people are are telling you it should be no and that's just i don't know why that why anybody would think that that's a good idea and you're you're just surrounded it's like a lot of politicians do that too. They surround themselves in a, in a what do they call that? Um, Sounding room. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's just giving you the same feedback that you want. Right. So don't tell the air, don't tell the air emperor he's naked. Yeah. There's some people that have made it into popular discourse right now that have stepped outside of that boundary. Eric Weinstein, his brother Brett Weinstein, got. Uh, castigated from a was it a Canadian no 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 uh, where's Portland Oregon was it, was it Portland it may have been Portland or maybe it's Seattle some college where they decided to go all uh, what's the fancy term for woke yeah they decided to go woke and he got tossed out on his ear he's got a sub stack he's got a podcast like this dude is has quintupled his his uh his fan base Jordan Peterson have you heard that name I've heard the name I again he I was a Canadian professor got thrown out on his ear because he did, refused to follow the whole he him gender nonsense uh-huh. he bailed out you um, know, how many how many doctors have been you know totally run through the ringer because they didn't agree with COVID protocols and and all that stuff and you know the efficacy of vaccines over herd immunity or natural immunity you know so there's a and now the country's turning around the FDA and the um, CDC are all changing their opinion on that are they going back and apologizing to all these people yeah I'm not going to hold my breath on that one So, right here, there was this uh, tweet from a UK uh, health minister in December of 2020. We frighten the the pants of everyone with the new strain. When do we deploy the new strain? This is a... Where did this come from? uh, When I back you out of that, I'll show you. Matt Hancock. Evan Poole, Department of Health Media Special Advisor. Yeah, so that was a, a text stream back and forth between the UK health minister and and somebody else. Dude, it's scary. Yeah. <clears throat> it's scary. And we submitted to it exactly the same way we did after 9-11 when the first vestiges of uh, the coming Patriot Act were made public. Everybody was like, yes, yes, please. It, give us, you know, a stronger, what is it, TSA and uh, the, 
Oh, that man, that thing on the top right. Yeah, you know, so our. Ugh. Yeah, the, the, the Secretary of Health. <laughs> yeah, Secretary of Health. A, a transgender man, woman. Out of shape, probably never lifted a weight yeah, in her life. Yeah, supposed mean, to be the Secretary. That's the Secretary of Health? And, you know, they can't even define what a woman is. <laughs> what is a woman? Oh, it's whatever you want it to be. Right. Wait, what? How does that work? Do you remember 15 years ago when all this first started by, being by the way, bandied I'm, about? I identify as president, so you call me president now. Yes, Mr. President. You Do you remember back about 15 years ago when uh, this whole equity and gender inclusion and all stuff, people were worried about uh, their young child. Like right now you could go to Walmart and let your 12-year-old walk in the woman's bathroom. Well, back then. Walk into Walmart, let your twelve-year-old daughter walk in a woman's bathroom, and I have to worry about there being a big dude with hair sticking out the front of his dress in there, fixing his lipstick. How how, how did we get from that's not okay to that's okay? Like that's that's a, a situation. Of, a child is it's okay for that child to deal with that situation because of social media and mm-hmm. news bullying. You know, too many people have been called out, been have lost their jobs because they don't kowtow to their agenda you know so if you speak out you're a racist you're a bigot so they they try to immediately um, they try to go after you by making you afraid to speak out against what they're trying to do because you're going to lose your job you're going to lose your family you're going to lose your livelihood you're going to be looked at you know in the neighborhood as the you know some some bigot some jerk who's just you know a homophobe when in reality, I just want my daughter to go be able to, you know, take a leak without me having to be in there with her. Right. You know, so what the real question is, is why do these people, why is this an avenue that they feel they have to go down? Why do they have to let yeah, people say, again. why can, uh, why can a, you know, high school boy that feels like he identifies as a girl today, why is he allowed to go into the woman's bathroom? You know, you right. have the case of Virginia where that kid went into the he identified as a woman went into the girl's room raped that girl and they you know kind of swept it under the rug they made him transfer to a different school system and he did it again see that makes 100% absolute sense not that he raped the girl but that a young male would play the female card to gain access to the women's locker room I mean yeah I mean, I, I saw I, Porky's Revenge. I identify as a female volleyball player. See? You know, let me go get in that locker room. Yes, sir. I'll go with you. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you when you make these rules, people are going to abuse them. You there know, is that got, part, too, yeah. There's always going to be people who abuse them. Yeah. And you can't... You know, I remember when the the, the Democrats... And I remember Biden specifically saying, you know, talking about gun legislation. You know, if we can just save one life, just one life, it'll be worth it. Really, well, how many lives could you save if you would just stop the illegal immigrants from coming over? How many people are killed by an illegal drunk driver? How many women are raped by an illegal alien that comes across? If you could just save one person, why don't you stop all this illegal activity? But he doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, they just... It's saying whatever you want to say to your constituents is, right, right. is one thing. 
actually and, and doing it to get a rise out of your crowd or to gain support or you know cement um, emotions behind a certain movement or whatever that's one thing but you know actually taking meaningful steps to, to help the American citizens I don't see any of that happening I don't see any of it happening we're Why? taking meaningful steps to help the Ukrainian citizens and I'm okay with that to the tune of what, eight hundred billion dollars right now? Well, I'd rather go to them than watch masturbating crabs on TV or something. You know, studying, studying, you know, shrimp running on a treadmill or the effects of cannabis on, you know, homosexual rats. <laughs> whatever they, whatever stupid scientific. Eight hundred billion dollars. Man, but, do you, you know that's our that's our enemy. So we are weakening our enemy through Ukraine. Russia's you, about You know what happened the last time we did that? Afghanistan. You know who created the Taliban? We did. Well, what are you going to create in Ukraine? We're not going to create the Taliban. We did the exact same thing in Afghanistan with Osama bin Laden. Back when they were being invaded by Russia that we're doing in Ukraine right now. While they're being invaded by Russia. Well, there's a totally different dynamic. I mean, the it enemy is, yeah. of my enemy is my friend, you know. So when <clears throat> Russia was over there in Afghanistan, I know that we were helping the, the you know, Afghanis fight Russia again because it was our enemy. We didn't care if they got annihilated or whatever or, or lost a long, drug, drawn out, drawn out war. It's 20 and, years. And it happened to us. I mean, that's just... Anybody who goes to war in Afghanistan is just foolish. Yeah. Yep. But this is this is something different. Anybody who doesn't think that Putin is going to go through Ukraine and on to the next country right. is fooling themselves. Right. He's already said he wants to reconstitute the old USSR. You know, bring it back to the glory days of what it was when he was in the KGB. Yeah. Yeah. He said that's always been a, a symbol of of. Uh, weakness of the Russia how that broke apart you know something he's been embarrassed of so and then when he when he brings all what what really gets me is when people say well we shouldn't we shouldn't get involved we shouldn't help the Ukraine because he's gonna you know he's, he's threatening nuclear war okay so every time he threatens nuclear war we just don't do anything we, that's just, good point. we just back down yeah that's good so point. he's that you're telling him that oh all I gotta do is threaten nuclear war and the US won't do anything now I'm gonna go take Poland and if the U.S. gets involved, I'm going to threaten nuclear war. Yeah. You know, so how many times are we going to have to listen to that before he's going to want to take us on and threaten nuclear war? Are yeah. we going to do nothing then, too? Yeah. I mean, you can't let a guy continue to say we're going to threaten nuclear missiles every time you know something doesn't go his way. That's a guy that's got to be taken out and dealt with now. Say you remove Putin. What happens to the, the conflict in the Ukraine? In your opinion, in my opinion, it goes, it, it's gone. Because I think that the Soviet military has been so decimated, they don't, and their people don't have the stomach for an additional war. Because Putin set it up like they had to do this to liberate, you know, their old, their own people who were in there that were, that were, you know, being, I don't know, like, like, uh, 
Ukraine was being racist against them and they wanted to secede and, and go back and become part of Russia again. And that's not at all how, how it was met when the Russian military actually entered Ukraine. You know, instead of the Ukrainians, you know, singing their praises and waving the, the Soviet or, the, or the, the Russian flag, you know, they were waving the Ukrainian flag and saying, hey, why, why are you here? You know, and their, their own Russian troops are wondering why they're there. They're, you know, they're, it's just a quagmire for them. Yeah. They don't have the resources. They don't have the food. They don't have the clothing to, to withstand the winter. The winter is kicking their ass right now. Yeah. And they don't have the supply line. You know, everybody thought that this was going to be a two-day war. No. Yes. Well, yeah. When okay, the whole yeah. thing kicked off, it yeah. was they, everybody thought it was going to be a two-day war. And here we are. You know, we just recently celebrated, not celebrated, but, but, you know, acknowledged the one year point of this war. And and Russia has suffered terrible, terrible losses. And they are, you know, if nothing else, it's an eye opener for how fat and lazy their military has become. Yes. You know, at the top, everybody was just the aristocrats and they were siphoning their money off for their own yachts and their own, you know, girlfriends in faraway countries and... It's not anywhere near a you know first world type of a military that people okay. thought it was. So you've heard the same things that I've heard. Then they're they're a couple generations behind in their technology, their well, motivation. It, they don't have well trained troops. They don't yes. have a good supply line. I think it's that that latter part there. You know, they're relying they're, on rail into Ukraine right now to resupply. I saw somewhere uh, they've got one factory in Russia that's capable of producing tanks, and they can only make like either twenty, either a month or a year, something like that. I don't know, but Russia's in a real hard spot. They need the resources from Ukraine. They need the farmland. They need the the minerals that they have. But you know, instead of being like a a, a good acting partner and saying hey let's let's negotiate and let's uh make some some you know win-win deals they just went and took it or tried to take it you know instead of saying hey we can supply you with this if you guys can uh, sell us some ore or sell us some minerals or or do this yeah you know as a normal trading partner would do if you weren't trying to be nefarious and and you know take over another country Ah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. They could have the negotiated. And, and the only land that the U.S. has ever taken from other countries is enough to establish a base there. You know, they call us the imperial U.S. Well, you know, I don't know how much land we took from France, you know, just enough to bury all of our dead from World War One and Two. Mm. You know, all these countries that we've ever been in, you know, how much land have we taken? You know, Japan after the war, we, we took take enough land to, to uh, a couple, well, yeah, we, a couple of naval bases. Yep. You know, own oh, an air force base. Yeah. In Okinawa. Yep. And then a couple on Japan. Yeah. Didn't take much from the Philippines. Just enough for a base or two. Yeah. And then they kicked us out. Then they asked us back. <laughs> I, last I heard in Okinawa, man, they were going to kick the Marines off that island because. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't respect the the local female population. They were doing marine things. Well, I have no comment. There. 
you know, I mean, it's just it's just a cultural thing there too. You know, it's not like the women are treated a little differently or looked at a little differently in the Japanese culture as well. You know, they're, oh, they're absolutely, definitely objectified. You look at their cartoons, man, dude. Japanese women are like so subservient compared to American women. But you know, dude, you probably realize this because you spent some time overseas. Americans are loud, greedy, selfish people. Again, I, I think, um, I think that's probably the tourist stereotype. I don't know that I would. You certainly can't paint everybody with that broad brush, you know. And I was guilty of that as a, as a young, young person too. I I used to think that French were, uh, some French people, were just. Um, stuck up and snooty and hated Americans and you know so there was this uh, we I remember my freshman year there was a, a French exchange student that had uh, enrolled at Auburn and I don't even think I gave the guy the time of day let alone a fair shake you know just because I had my own stereotypes and perceived notions and that you know who knows I, that could have been one of my you know a great friend that I could have met from okay. somewhere yeah. you know and I never gave him a chance now I understand that Americans, because of our country and the way things are here and how large it is and, you know, people that usually come here speak English, not always, but a lot of them do, you know. So we don't have nearly the robust um, education system that a lot of countries do as well. So our, our people don't know that a lot of other countries are multilingual and you know, most people in Europe speak three, four, five yeah. languages. Yeah. You know, so I, I can see how, you know, some people may go abroad and and do stupid things and, and whatnot. But I, I hope that not all Americans are, are looked at as crazy, you know, just assholes or whatever. Maybe. I don't know. I've, I've kind of heard that myself but again I, I would just hope that there's enough people out there that <clears throat> you know I always tell my kids you know don't stereotype people you know there's there's always going to be somebody that is exactly the way you think that they're going to be by looking at them but there's always going to be infinitely more people who are going to surprise you if you yeah. let them. yeah that's a good point you know that's good point. so and I, I remember, here's a story I'll, I'll tell you about my dad. Uh, he was in the, the Marine Corps, and he was stationed in Israel with the United Nations. And on his outpost, it was him and five Russians. Okay. And he said they were the, the nicest people he ever ever met. Absolutely. And this is at the time when, you know, Cold War and all that stuff. And, oh, wow. Okay. And we're still brutal enemies. As individuals, yeah. they were some of the nicest people that he ever met. His father died while he was in Israel. Okay. And he was out on an outpost or, or doing some rounds, checking out the line, the front lines between the Arabs and Israelis and things like that. And the word came back to the outpost. He, he didn't have a radio on him or something or other. So all the Russians knew that his father had died. And usually dinner time was at 5 o'clock. He didn't get back till 8 they waited for him before they all had dinner oh, wow. and they drank with him and they, you know, gave him some time. But, you know, people are people. We all have the same emotions. 
You know, we all we all love our kids. We all love our families, wherever you are. Yeah. You know, so if you think about it that way, we all have a lot more in common than we than we have, you know, in differences. Right. If we get down to the brass tacks. Even people in Russia, even people in China, they want to be left alone. You know, would you, would they, do you think somebody in China or Russia would rather have their government telling them what to do? Or do you think that they would rather be free to choose their own job, their own, you know, number of children, their own income, their own, I don't know, policies for their government or, or something? I see your point, but I don't know because you can read that it's otherwise and not just in newspapers, but like through literature where it's, it's a matter of pride to be a socialist or a communist, whatever it was 30 years ago. Well, and what the state told you you needed to do to be a good communist, the people were happy to do like, I'll take my potato and my brown paper sack for clothes. And I'm glad that I'm supporting the communist cause. And the Germans, I mean... Well, you know, everybody wants to have that sense of nationality. <clears throat> sure. That, that pride there. And if that's what I've got to do because things are bad. But I don't think that things are... <laughs> a lot of times things are bad in those countries because of the government. Right. Oh, know? absolutely. <laughs> so they were happy to take their only potato because that was the only freaking potato they were going to get. Meanwhile, you know, so better, better. the local governor is going to get five potatoes yeah. and his daughter is going to get 12. And yeah. So, yeah, I mean, leave I, the people alone. They're going to, given access to a little bit of land, they're going to figure out a way to, to and, grow and, dinner. And, and, and what what choice did they have? You know, it wasn't like they had a vote or, no. or, or a way to, to change anything. That's a good point. <sighs> Give it, if, if you could take somebody from there in that, in the communist era, and substitute them somewhere more neutral, say, like, put them in Switzerland. Would they feel the same way about communist Russia in Switzerland as they did in communist Russia? See, some of those some of those tiny countries over there in, in Europe where they have socialized medicine or whatever, you know, that's a, that's a closed experiment. Yes. They've got a very small population. Yes. When... They're not exposed to millions and millions and millions and millions of immigrants every year the way that the U.S. is. Okay. You know, and the, the rapid growth and and just so many people that are are uneducated and not working or draining the system. Okay? In, in like Finland or Sweden or Switzerland or whatever, most everybody there is working and gainfully employed. You know, they're high-taxed. But it's just radically different. You can't apply the the things that they have, you know, for their government to the way it works over here. Okay, it just doesn't doesn't scale, and the the economies are are so radically different. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Um, now, if you take a socialist and put them over there, I think it takes. I think it. All that matters is what socialist you're talking about. Are you talking about the bourgeoisie or are you talking about the aristocracy? You know, because the people who are living there, there's the there's the socialist and then there's the people who live under socialism. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not all socialists. Right. The socialists are the ones that are setting the policy that all the people have to live under. Right. 
So the people that live under it, you know, like the ones that come from Venezuela or or other countries and, and come up here are sounding the warning bells. Yes. You know, I just fled that. How could you people want to become something like what is what is happening in South America? <clears throat> you know, so I think socialism has it backwards. Socialism says, you know, the, what's good for the, the, the people first, you know, as a whole, the country as a whole. Well, you know, if I can't take care of myself, how am I going to take care of anybody else? Right. Right. You know, it's backwards. So it, it ought to be about, you know, and that's another thing. They, they, they always hate the rich. Well, the rich are the most philanthropic. When's the last time you got a job from a poor person? Right. When's the last time a poor person, you know, a poor person might give you a lift, you know, give you a ride. They or might buy co- you a, they might buy you a sandwich if you get a guy that's really really, you know, solid. Or, or they'll give you the clothes off their back or yes. their, their last meal. Yeah. But they don't they're that's not going to That's a one they're not going to feed thing. you for a year. Right. Yeah. Right. They're not going to give you an opportunity to get an, get an education or to grow in a job position and ex- expand your your knowledge base so that you can better yourself and get another job. Right. You know, and that's what the the free economy does. That's what capitalism does. So, you know, you don't go to McDonald's to drop fries and raise a family. You know, there's there's no reason why McDonald's dropping fries should be a $15 an hour job. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has it all wrong. You know, you don't need a living wage working at McDonald's. Working at McDonald's is where you go to show people that you have the ability to show up on time every day for your job. Okay. Once you show up on time every day for your job, then I can give you more more responsibility. Right. And then, if you know, maybe you'll work a register. Now, if I know you can work the register, count money correctly, not steal it. Right. And, you know, be on time again, then maybe you, you go to a, you know, a shift leader. Right. You know, and each time you get a little you know, dollar an hour raise or something. I mean, that's how you work into, that's how you get to owning your own McDonald's. And I could see once you get to a leadership position that at that point, you then start having the discussion about what a living wage looks like. Yeah. You know, but But as a regular economy, yeah. In a socialist economy, you know, a lot of that stuff is planned out for you where you're going to work for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah, how much you can make, yep. how much you can keep, how many potatoes your family gets this week. <sighs> yeah, so, you know, I don't know why people hate the the wealthy. You know, you should aspire to be one. If you're so mad about it, you know, then do what they did. Yeah, but that's hard. Well, it's, it depends. It's easier to sit here and hate on them for being successful. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot easier to Dude, be it's, wallow it's, in self-pity. It's hard to be successful. It's hard to get up every day and go to work. It's and not hard to be job. successful. It is. It's you're successful. It's not, it wasn't easy. I know, I'm, but you're... I, dude, I still everyone, have look so at this neighborhood. Much, look at all these neighborhoods all around us. There are so people much that are holding do. down to jobs that, mm-hmm. are, that, are, that are raising families. Dude, but there's, everybody, the vast majority of people are some sort of successful. There are neighborhoods four times as big as this in the same town that are make less than half of the income that the folks in this neighborhood make on average. So that tells me this is harder than that. It's easier to do that. 
it's it's hard. Oh, absolutely. It's a little harder to do this. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's undoable. I'm just saying if you want to be you know, successful, but you know why that's it takes easy? effort. But you know why that's easy? Because they the get government. Yeah. Because it's made to be easy. Yeah. If I agree. If it were made difficult to be poor and destitute, people wouldn't be poor and destitute, or not as many of them. And what would, <laughs> where would they go? Where would the where would the ones that are living off of government handouts go? Would they would they just dry up and blow away? <laughs> no, no. But you know, you can't save everybody. Oh, here and you're not and you're not helping people by keeping them weak. Right. I agree. Keeping them reliant. Is I agree. What it is. You know, so if you have a if you have a baby wolf. And you, you know, or let's say you have a, a, a regular wolf, an adult wolf that's out there. And you start dropping a, a elk steak out in the backyard. You know, yeah. Periodically, you put one out there. Okay. The wolf shows up and it eats it. You keep putting more out there, you know, multiple per day. Now, instead of just putting one out there in the morning, you put one out there in the morning and then at lunch. Yeah. And then you continue to do it even during the, the, the plentiful season. Pretty soon that wolf knows where that food is going to show up and it doesn't have to work for it. Right. It keeps showing up. And right. then when that wolf has puppies, those puppies oh. sit there and they just stay in the yard. Yeah. And then now you've domesticated an animal. Yeah. And it doesn't have to work for its food. It knows where it is. And it just lives happy, blissful little life with what it's given, not knowing that there's anything better or a whole world out there it could go roam around and, and be its own master. Yeah, I see your point. You know, so you get, and that's just, it's just the way that it is for some people, you know? Or, or White may, people, black people, trailer parks. Oh, yeah. You know, government housing, it's all the same. Color, race, doesn't matter. No, Religion, it doesn't, doesn't but matter. too many people think you're talking black people when you're talking, you know, poor or jobless or whatever i just want to put it out there that it's everybody yeah 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 yeah. i understand what you're saying yeah dude all right this is a good time to stop uh thanks for coming enjoyed it is there any any closing advice or uh anything you'd like to say to the folks out there in the internet no, man, really, I just want to say thank you for your time. I appreciate you letting me be involved with this. And uh, everybody, just be good to your friends and be good to your neighbors and treat everybody the way you'd want to be treated yourself. Well said. All right, hope you have, hope you have me back sometime, man. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to do this again. All right, brother, take All care. Right.